0: What's going on? This is the Saturday Down South podcast. I am Connor O'Gara. Will, great, great show lined up today. We've got Matt Brown, who publishes the college football newsletter Extra Points. He is going to join us in a bit to talk about the news he broke on Friday about the return of the EA Sports college football video game. Mm-hmm. Get excited for that. A lot of great details. I, I tried to ask as many of the dumb questions as I possibly could. Thank God, uh, Connor. Someone play.
1: has to ask the dumb questions, and you are the unlikely hero.
0: Yes, I, I took that burden, had no problem being able to do that. So great discussion there. Look forward to that. Um, so we also are going to talk about childhood friends and mm-hmm. figuring out subject that we're going to have a little bit of overlap, I think. Maybe we're talking about grudges and whatnot. I think we're going to get into some <laughs> of the same. Uh, the Venn diagram is, you know, it's going to show some some of those similarities there, but uh, we're going to talk all about that in figuring out. But first... I wanted to do something to help out the people because summer is officially here. Don't know if you heard, but it is what, late June? It's officially late June. That means summer is here. It's
1: 110 degrees outside. If you haven't been outside, just let you know, don't.
0: In case you haven't walked outside, stepped outside of the friendly confines of your own air conditioning, it is very hot outside. And people, for whatever reason, do more outdoor things now when it's really, really hot out as opposed to not. Whatever. That's a different discussion for a different time. But maybe you're going to be going to a barbecue, a cookout, bonfire, company picnic. I don't know. These things that we as Americans do in the summer, it just seems to happen that way. You're going to have to sound knowledgeable about more than just your specific college football team. Well, I don't know about you, but I find myself in these spots a ton. Mm -hmm. a lot I'll be at some random function and I'll be having a conversation about what I do for a living and once I say oh I'm you know I write and talk about college football for a living the conversation will go one of two ways either that person will say oh that's that's interesting but I don't really have anything to add and this conversation doesn't go anywhere Mm -hmm. or they will ask me about their specific team right always happens Okay. I, in that spot, I cannot be the guy who doesn't know anything about a team that they ask me about. I just I, I can't afford to be that in that spot. Either like and, and there are, there are moments where look, I know I'm gonna have to talk big picture about some of these specific things, but I, I just I take it upon myself to make sure that I am knowledgeable, at least to a certain extent, about a team and its outlooker, or, or just the, some of the you know, if I'm talking about a specific coach, or if they maybe had like an outlier year last year. I, I want to have at least one talking point per team. Mm-hmm. The SEC and, and the Big Time programs, like that's easy, all right. We can, we can do that all day. That's that's I mean, that is literally what I do every single day for this job, so I don't really sweat that. But I'll have Lauren's boss ask me. Like questions about Oregon State because he grew up in Corvallis, Mm -hmm. right? I'll have my father-in-law call call me and tell me something Purdue related, and I'll have to be able to contribute to that conversation. I have family friends with a daughter who just graduated from Minnesota. Like last year when I was out in Denver, (laughs) we go on this brewery tour and we make friends with this guy who is a diehard Kansas fan. Oh, right.
1: So well, what do you talk last night? Right now, man, great, great time to be a Kansas fan, really. <laughs>
0: He's one of the eight. So I, hey, I feel fortunate to have found one of the eight Kansas fans on this earth. But I don't want to be in that spot where I just can't say anything about a specific program, a specific team. I want to represent myself well. I want to represent our company well. If someone wants a, like my take about a program or something like that, and I just have no idea what's going on, it's just not a good look, in my opinion. I am not somebody that's going to be sitting there pulling out flashcards, doing anything like that, but just knowing about a program, maybe it's general outlook can really come in handy in some of these spots. So how does that pertain to you, listener of this podcast? Glad you asked me. I don't know. When you attend these functions and you're surrounded by people that aren't your buddies, what's the best topic of conversation, Will?
1: College football. If you could make it about that, I always do. I'm just going to be honest. Yep. Yep.
0: I don't want to talk about the
1: weather. I don't want to talk about politics. I don't want to talk about
0: your putting game. I don't want to talk about your fantasy. I sure as heck don't want to talk about your fantasy team. Okay. It's college football. Every single time. Making these conversations last are the key for you listening to this podcast and getting through unfamiliar situations at these summer functions that you are going to be at. So that is how I'm going to help you today. That's the plan. We're going to go in alphabetical order for all the Power 5 teams. And I'm gonna give you one sentence that you can file away for yourself to use when discussion shifts to college football. So, one sentence about every single Power Five team's 2022 outlook. I'm gonna to need to take a deep breath for this, because this is gonna be a lot. I want to try and really stick to the one-sentence thing. But, Will, fire away. you got a question. I
1: just, just want to say really quick. So, How I Met Your Mother is a great show for, like, one-liners and kind of just isms about life. And they had this thing where uh, one of the characters, Marshall, was starting a new job. And he's like, oh, i got to be, like, the something guy, like the blank guy. And, and, you know, for a lot of us, we want to be the sports guy, right? Because it's a very good thing to be. Because whenever someone has a question or, like, a conversation, they always come to you about it. And you end up being really relatable while talking about something that you know about. I figured out, went on a work trip um, a couple weeks ago one of my team people on my team is from Auburn we were always talking about that all week and then we found out one of our executives also went to Auburn so it was like one of those like like how did I get in this situation things I, we started talking about Auburn then you know you look up 30 minutes has gone by we're like reenacting the Harvey Updike call and I'm just like yep. yeah, I'm in I've done it I've made a connection with this person so like it's, it's a great way to just make friends once you find that you have that in common
0: it's a common ground. Every everybody's team at one point has sucked, right? So it's not it's not supposed to be like this bragging rights thing. You're just trying to make conversation. You're trying to pass the time, all right? You know, if somebody asks me about Minnesota, I can't be saying, "Oh yeah, that Lawrence Maroney fellow." Like, <laughs>
1: <laughs> we gotta be rowing the boat if you're talking Minnesota, right?
0: Yes, we, we got to be rowing the boat. That's a lot of Minnesota references for the first uh, what six minutes of this podcast. But you're exactly right, and that's so that's what we're gonna try and do arm everybody with just a piece of knowledge about a power five every single power five team and their outlook for 2022 so we're just gonna go in alphabetical order and we'll just run through all of these you ready mm-hmm. i'm asking myself more so
1: i'm just gonna show because this is just like this is this is a unit I'm, this is an apex connor iso let's go all right alabama the
0: tide have the two best players in the sport with perhaps I have six legitimate first team All Americans, which is why they deserve to be the preseason number one unanimously, but I wouldn't bet on them to finish there. Arizona. Even a four win season without a bowl could be considered a massive win if Jed Fish's team can stay healthy at quarterback after a disastrous year one. Arizona State. Herm Edwards' seat is hotter than a mid August afternoon in Tempe. Arkansas. K.J. Jefferson's literal progressions is what can take a good team and make it great. Auburn. Brian Harson could need a nine-win season to save his job, which would mean he's either getting fired or he's about to prove a whole lot of people wrong about that quarterback room. Baylor. Not even Chip and Joe could have pulled off a rebuild in Waco like the one Dave Aranda did. Boston College. If Phil Jacoby stays healthy... Don't sleep on Boston College being a frisky team in the Atlantic. Cal. Justin Wilcox can coach the crap out of a defense, but man, if Cal can even flirt with offensive mediocrity with Bill Musgrave, uh, I think this team should be significantly better. Clemson. For me, the least likely scenario is now Clemson getting to a national title game with DJ Uyangalale as the guy. By the way, Will, if you have questions at any point, feel free. Mm -hmm. Fire away. Mm -hmm. I want to try and stick to the one sentence as much as possible without getting into like a 10-minute diatribe about why I'm really skeptical about about DJ and whatnot or about a specific player, about a specific team. But Mm -hmm. questions are, are more than welcome. More than welcome. Okay. Colorado. I love the fact that they overhauled the offensive assistants, but when you rank 129 out of 130 teams in total offense, it's hard to see the light at the end of the tunnel. Duke. It's going to be a dumpster fire on offense, but the safest bet there is, is Mike Elko is going to improve the nation's 127th ranked defense. Florida. It's okay if Anthony Richardson still has some maddening moments, and it's not a bad sign for Billy Napier if year one ends in Birmingham. Mm -hmm. Florida State Travis Hunter would have been nice But Mike Norvell isn't saving his job Unless Jordan Travis can lead a decent offense Mm -hmm. Georgia No matter how favorable the schedule is Repeating is really, really hard Georgia Tech Call me crazy, but it's not a good sign For a coach on the hot seat That his team doesn't rank in the top 100 In percentage of returning production And his best player is now suiting up for Alabama
1: Real quick on GT. You know, I, we grew up with Georgia Tech being a good team. Team, We were really scared to play. And I don't know. It's not talked about enough how quickly they've gone in the dumpster. That is really sad. I think it's like several three-win seasons in a row for them. Very tough.
0: I think that's all Jeff Collins has done, if I'm not mistaken. is three-win season, three-win season, three-win season. Last year was kind of his, supposed to be his year to show signs of life. And then that didn't really happen. And now you're just kind of like, oh, boy, this could, be, this could be done in a hurry there. But he's got the short sleeve vest. He's a big short sleeve vest guy. Facts, yeah. Um, I mean, I guess all of vests are short sleeves. so that's a, that's a really redundant way to phrase that. But he's, he's a big-time vest guy. Mm-hmm. And we need, we need those coaches who are not afraid to push the needle in terms of fashion on the sidelines. Facts. So I guess I'm for Jeff Collins in this scenario. Kansas. At least Texas happened done good that's it Uh, Kansas State it would be the biggest slap in the face of Scott Frost if Adrian Martinez got Kansas State to a big 12 title game Kentucky Will Levis is going to be asked to do more heavy lifting than last year but fortunately he's got all the tools to be able to handle that Illinois Illinois fans seem to be really fired up about Syracuse transfer Tommy DeVito, who most recently couldn't beat out former Mississippi State quarterback Garrett Schrader of Joe Moorhead fame. Indiana. It simply cannot be worse than last year's Big Ten goose egg, though I'm not overly optimistic that Connor Baselak, who spells his name correctly, is about to flip a historically dreadful
1: offense. Not even Connor Iowa can pull you in on Indiana, huh? Nope.
0: Nope. Nope. Just... Can't do it. Can't do it. Last year was bad. Goose egg in the Big Ten. shouldn't happen. Almost beat Cincinnati. Kind of, sort of, not really, though. Mm -mm. Iowa. Nepotism is going to keep the Iowa offense in the toilet. (laughs) Facts. Yeah. Iowa State. It's a new era, but at least Matt Campbell is still around. Louisville. All those private jets they're showing recruits probably don't matter if Scott Satterfield can't save his job. LSU. The transfer portal was so much nicer to Brian Kelly than the internet. Facts. Maryland. Talia Tungvaloa is going to be the most entertaining Big Ten noon quarterback in a hot minute. Miami. The U is in better hands with Mario Cristobal, but call me crazy for being skeptical about a program who needed Kirk Herbstreit to call them out on college game day to start spending more money.
1: Some would argue they're spending too much money.
0: Some would say. NCAA might say that. Who knows? Probably not going to say much. They might say they're spending too much money in the wrong ways, but not actually do anything because they're kind of powerless. Michigan. Jim Harbaugh losing both coordinators is going to be more important than who starts at quarterback. hmm Michigan State. This is really negative, by the way. I'm okay. not realizing. Look at this. Uh, Michigan State. In a post-Kenneth Walker world, I'm worried that the Spartans could have two losses by October. They also face Akron, by the way. Oh. I know that's not part of the one sentence, but...
1: Sip, circle it. Circle it. Upset alert.
0: Don't sleep on the zips, all right? Minnesota. The Tanner uh, Morgan-Kurt-Shiraka reunion is incredibly intriguing. Mississippi State. The SEC's leader in percentage of returning production quietly has a whole lot to like. Mizzou. I would have really felt better about a sleeper season, at least to be relevant in the East, if Mizzou could have gotten a legitimate Power 5 quarterback transfer. NC State. The single trendiest preseason playoff pick is led by the best quarterback you've never heard of, Devin Leary.
1: But uh, one of the worst OCs you've heard of if you listen to our podcast.
0: I am not pro Tim Beck. I know Big Game boomer is pro Tim Beck. I, however, cannot look past those tough moments. Sweetest man in the world. Sweetest man Bless in the world. Bless his heart, however. Bless his heart. Look, Matt Barry came on this podcast, confirmed Tim Beck, sweet dude. Absolutely, skeptical about, little skeptical about his offense. Hopefully, Devin Leary can overcome that. Nebraska. Speaking of Tim Beck, if Nebraska could send Scott Frost back to Wood River for the fourth quarter of every game, I'd be more optimistic about Trev Alberts giving him a job beyond twenty twenty two.
1: This is Wood River. That's where he's from. Oh, well,
0: Fun fact: Wood River, Nebraska, was in the coverage area for the paper that I worked at, which was shout out to the Carney Hub. And my wife's paper as well, the Grand Island Independent. It is in between those two towns. Nobody cared about that. Shout out Wood River. But they got that. Shout out Wood River. Northwestern. Mm-hmm. Kicking off the season with a week zero game in Dublin will be the high point of Northwestern's national interest. Oof. It's going to be a great game. It's going to be fun. By great, I just mean like the, the scenery, all that stuff.
1: Take some pictures.
0: Speaking of Dublin. Notre Dame. Marcus Freeman should have a lot of bright spots in year one, but I think he's really going to regret his throwaway comment at CBS Sports about Ohio State's academics. Ohio State. Ryan Day has an offense people would kill for, and if it doesn't give Ohio State its first national title since 2014, I'll be surprised. Oklahoma. Well, this is one I know you like. Dylan Gabriel being reunited with Jeff Levy should have the entire Big 12 on notice. Mm-hmm. Retweet. Oklahoma State, reality is going to set in that Baylor's goal line stand in the Big 12 championship closed Oklahoma State's playoff window during the
1: Mike Gundy era.
0: Savage? Too savage?
1: Probably facts, though. They were kind of expected to be in that situation, yeah.
0: Yeah. Ole Miss, you could tell me that Lane Kiffin signed the best Pop Warner players in the state of Mississippi, and I'd still bank on 35 points a game. Mm -hmm. Oregon, if Bo (laughs) Nook... I don't want to get this one wrong. If Bo Nix survives week one against Georgia, soon the West Coast will see just how maddening he is. Mm -hmm. Oregon State. Whatever you do, do not sleep on Jonathan Smith's offense lighting up USC and making everyone flip on Pac-12 after dark in late September. Penn State. Of all the buyer's remorse for the... These this rise in ten year contracts, fully guaranteed contracts, none will be greater than the buyer's remorse than there was to give James Franklin a ten year contract. That was really wordy, and I phrased that horribly. You get what I'm saying.
1: I just I just want to say really quick. There's a thread that I like put in the Facebook group that I sent you the other day about like the loudest every SEC stadium has been like lately, like in the Twitter era. And one of them was a yes. Randy game where they hit a field goal and it, it went to Franklin. Georgia. And they did a aside on Franklin about how cool he was and how fun it must be to play for him. And Buddy, I remembered that when it, when that it hit me in the brain, it was like, oh my god, remember when James Franklin was cool? That guy's PR has done a complete 180. C was it Vandy? He just sounds like a nightmare to play for now. Uh, the uh,
0: we did, by the way we did an "It Just Meant More" podcast on that game mm-hmm. because we wanted to do like the Vandy game. Mm-hmm. You know, we wanted to make sure we had every team covered, and we did. Yeah, 2013, uh, Georgia Vandy. Um, I would love to see because I, I think there are a lot of people who like James Franklin. I, I really do. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see what what he would go for in the open market. I, I think that'd be fascinating. Mm-hmm. Every every single offseason, not not off season, but every single late October, early November when he wants to feel love and his agent, you know, no matter who it is, switch representation last year, Jimmy Sexton. But no matter what The the conversation of James Franklin potentially leaving Penn State comes up out of nowhere, he always says. (laughs) But I would be so fascinated to see what he would be able to get if he was just a free agent coach. If Penn State, just not not paying him a buyout or anything like that, he was just a free agent coach on the market tomorrow, would be one of the more interesting cases probably of anybody in college football. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Okay, Pitt. No, I don't think losing Jordan Addison, Kenny Pickett, and Mark Whipple will result in Pitt repeating as ACC champs. Bold. Yeah. Purdue. Aiden O'Connell was an absolute stud at Willow Grove Kindergarten, and as Tennessee fans saw, the dude is capable of making any game a shootout.
1: Go ahead. <laughs> do, I, do I share the
0: detail? The fact that my mom was his kindergarten gym teacher? No,
1: I remember. Yeah, I just want to get yeah. a refresher. Yeah.
0: Yeah, fun little nugget to throw in there every once in a while. I don't miss on those opportunities. Mm-hmm. Shout out to my mom who just retired uh, a couple weeks ago.
1: Heck yeah,
0: yeah. She's been to like five different states since she retired. I unbelievable. love that for her. Yeah, she's she's going to Utah twice in a one month stretch. Two separate trips to Utah. Nobody's ever done that
1: ever. <laughs> she's never the first. Been done. She's a record breaker. <laughs> it's unbelievable.
0: Rutgers. It's hard to be too optimistic about improvement when the offensive line got hit hard by the transfer portal and no Power 5 team was worse converting third downs last year. That was a little bit too mundane for Rutgers. I feel like I probably should have gone all over the place with them. Made a Shiano reference, but okay. Moving on. South Carolina. The ultimate good vibes team won't be peak Spurrier good just yet, but a Spencer Rattler fueled improvement in year two seems perfectly realistic in the East. Stanford. Everyone is in love with Tanner McKee as a draft prospect, but I'd consider it a win if that offense could just finish in the top 30 for the first time since Christian McCaffrey's sophomore season. Syracuse. I get the feeling that Dino Baber's days are numbered if he doesn't get back to a bowl game, but returning 80% of last year's production should help with that. TCU. Not having Gary Patterson at TCU is like not having the smell of bacon fill my house on a Sunday morning. (laughs) the best childhood adult doesn't matter bacon Mm -hmm. sunday tennessee it's not going to feel like 98 because that defense should struggle but the sky's the limit for the offense especially if hen and hooker can cut down on the sacks we are Hen dogs Mm -hmm. all day texas i don't want to hear the words texas and back unless quinn ewers has that mullet resting on a suit in new york texas ain't up don't convince yourself that a historic re- recruiting class or an epic press conference is going to turn a and into a conference champ for the first time this century.
1: Did you see that thing? It was like a Tex-Aggs post that got cross-posted on the uh, Facebook group. I'm going to butcher it, but it was like 12 lines of like, there's no living person who has ever seen Texas A&M uh, participate in a Final Four or like win a ball. It was like this long list of stuff. It was like, yet we have a Hall of Champions. It was like an A&M fan talking to other A&M fans. It was like one of the most savage things I've ever seen. It was just like, why do we have a Hall of Champions? No one remembers the championship. And
0: <laughs> it had to have been a, a Tex-Ax message board then. Cause- right, yeah. If I know my friends at tex they're not throwing that out
1: No, there. they no, no. It was, it was a message board. Yeah, it was like a random oh, okay, fan gotcha. who was just like, what, how did we get here, basically? Like, you guys have oh. these super high expectations and, like, humble yourself. It was just kind of a funny post.
0: I'll say this. This is a big picture about a and and this would be a, a, a great barbecue discussion. Oh, yeah. The way that Ross Bjork has spent money on their coaches, as we were talking about. Like, yep. the fact that he's gone after all of these Power 5, sitting Power 5 head coaches – that, that's what you would want your athletic director to do. Mm-hmm. As much as I hate that contract that Jimbo Fisher has, that's what you would still, if you're a fan, you would still want all those vacancies to be filled in the way that he, that he has gone about them. He didn't fill all those vacancies. I should back up. Scott Woodward filled some of those vacancies as well. But still, very impressive what they've been able to do from a coaching staff standpoint. We'll see if it yields a golden era of A&M athletics. Texas Tech. I'm optimistic about Tyler Shuck simply because he learned from the great Joe Moorhead. <laughs> UCLA. By season's end, I think UCLA will wish that it had Dylan Gabriel instead of Dorian Thompson Robinson. Yep. UNC. I'm worried about the post-Sam Howell era, but my sources are telling me that Gene Chiswick is about to turn the heels into the 85
1: Bears. <laughs> this is the most Connor Blair I've ever seen in my life. <laughs>
0: it's almost too much me in that. I debated not including the 85 Bears reference, but you know what? What well, screw it. We're just going to go for it. USC. Just because the Pac-12 is totally wide open and Lincoln Riley flipped that offense around overnight doesn't mean his defense will be good enough for a playoff push. Utah. No, I love the Utes. The single biggest threat to USC being back to dominating the Pac-12 from the jump with Lincoln Riley and the best chance to have its first playoff push is happening right now with Utah. Vanderbilt. Sooner or later, Clark Lee's defensive identity will make Vandy passable as an SEC team. And if not, cheeks.
1: <laughs> cheeks are passable? Those are your two options as a Vandy fan.
0: One of those two, right? We'll get one of them, I think, maybe. Virginia. Keaton Thompson. Yeah, that Keaton Thompson, former Mississippi State quarterback, mm-hmm. is the single most versatile player in America and is the leader of the Football Player of the Year award that I made up. Mm-hmm but I worry if I worry about if Tony Elliott will maximize his abilities in that offense. Virginia tech. Don't be surprised if Brent pry is the national darling among year one coaches in mid October. Wake forest. I'd love the ACC title potential. If Sam Hartman had any help on defense, so he didn't need to put up 50 points per game. That's pretty common. You could have said that last year too. Mm-hmm. Copy and paste Washington. Kalen DeBoer is an offensive savant who will have things rolling by November. Washington State. Anybody that has to go through a year like the one that program just did with an unexpected mid year coaching change should have absolutely zero year one expectations. So I won't do that to that staff. West Virginia. The JT Daniels-Graham Harrell reunion is going to make so many people tune in to West Virginia games in the state of Georgia. Wisconsin, last one. Whatever stock you still have in Graham Mertz, sell it and instead buy Braylon Allen stock instead.
1: Why is that, Connor?
0: Because Graham Mertz doesn't have it. He just does. (laughs) (laughs) Not bold analysis to say that. If he had gone through a different situation with somebody who can actually develop quarterbacks and is not somebody who's still being held in high regard just because he developed Russell Wilson mm. back in the day, which, by the way, in case you haven't seen that on Paul Chris resume, it's there. It's, it's there. You big, can't miss
1: bold, highlighter yellow.
0: <laughs> you won't see Joel Stave on there, but you'll see Graham Mertz. You won't see Jack Cohn on there, who was better at Notre Dame, but you'll see Russell Wilson. That's for darn sure. Graham Mertz, the guy who was the four-star quarterback who was supposed to be able to take Wisconsin's offense kind of into the new era, be able to, to modernize some of the things that they can do so that they don't have to just kill these running backs. Um, yeah, he ain't it. Raylon Allen, though, is it? Wisconsin, same old, same old.
1: Who okay. You, who do you have uh, finishing second in the Big Ten this year?
0: <sighs> second, uh, just... So by okay, I, I asked this just because the way that divisions are set up, I would say that the second the second best team is going to come out of the East. It's not going to come out of the West.
1: Right? Yeah, like second best team. Sorry, you're okay. Right about that. Uh, then
0: Michigan. Okay,
1: so you're not that. That's boring. You're not that off Michigan. You don't think the coordinators will take him back? That was my only question. Yeah.
0: Yeah, no, and, and that's the tough thing with with one sentence outlooks is that like I'm still optimistic about Michigan. Blake Quorum's going to be one of the best running backs in all of college football. They're they're still going to be just fine, probably. But I do worry about that staff turnover and the fact that Harbaugh did like the grandpa from The Simpsons <laughs> gif <laughs> to with the NFL again. That would worry me as well. But. I think Michigan will probably still be fine. Don't think Michigan beats Ohio State this year because obviously they don't do Ohio that. Ohio State winning a national championship.
1: <laughs> They've done well, that once I mean, that I physically remember. So. Did, that, you know,
0: did that relatively recently? It was what, eight months, seven months ago? Right. Know, that, that, well, they did that.
1: That's what I'm saying. There was the tattoo year and then there was that one. Yeah. And that's all. So, Yeah. No, I,
0: I can't get fired up for Wisconsin anymore. I can't get fired up for Iowa anymore. I just can't. I can't. And that's, look. If You're going to continue to run this offense with these with, with without modern principles, you are so predictable to defend. You just are. I'm sorry. If you're going to continue to pretend that these quarterbacks who just do not produce whatsoever and they produce like it's still 2004 and and, and just accept that, then that's that's on you. That's totally fine. If you if you want to punt when it's fourth and one on the opposing 32. You have the right to do that. It doesn't mean I have to like it, but you have that right, I guess. But I still would not bank on them winning the Big Ten this year.
1: I, you've teed me up perfectly for this. So the Northwestern love, gone. Are we out of the era of Northwestern football now?
0: Okay. There's a lot. There's a lot of Big Ten West talk. I didn't think we were going to get into that But, right, but right. We're
1: talking about the SEC all day. There's not really going to be a realistic champion for anyone else. I just thought I'd hit the whole gauntlet here.
0: I still think Pat Fitzgerald is, is a great coach a really, really good coach to take what he had at Northwestern, what he inherited, to actually get them to Big Ten championship games. Multiple Big Ten championship games. Mm-hmm. I don't think we could necessarily take that for granted. But, but, if we're being honest here, yeah, I think that unless unless they're able to start capitalizing on NIL... I think it's going to be really, really difficult for them to continue to sustain success, especially if and when they change they, they the division format in the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. That's, that, that's going to be an equalizer for all those teams in the West who have been really benefiting from the fact that, they yeah, they got to play the three crossover games in the East. I get that. But at the same time, I think those teams have had a, a much easier road to try and get back than a Rutgers, a Maryland, an Indiana. Those teams that are just like, man, we might be able to have like one good season but then you just get punched back to reality. Like I don't think Indiana was as bad as some of these really bad West teams that we've seen last year. Okay, I'm done. I'm going to cut myself off right there. <laughs> I'm we don't sorry. Get into that.
1: Like I said, there's not really another interesting conference to be this year. I'm just going to be honest with you. The Big Ten is, is going to be Ohio State and everybody else, and the SEC we talk about all day. So that was my other thing. But, yes, no further questions. Sick list.
0: This is weird, but I think the second most interesting conference in college football is the Pac-12. I really do. Yeah,
1: with Utah, um, and USC, and Oregon. Yeah,
0: Just, just those three. Th- those three right there, I think, have enough intrigue with, with new coaches, this balance of power. Is Kyle Whittingham going to be able to kind of hold off of these two programs mm-hmm. that would love nothing more than to be able to kind of like move past the, the trendy preseason discussion of Utah and just assert their dominance from the jump? You know, both had big time transfer quarterbacks come in and they're trying to overhaul those those rosters like immediately. But if you talk into it in like this more traditional sense, which they've kind of always done and th- not to say that they don't have transfers. I know that they have Diabate from Florida as well. And that opener in the swamp is going to be great. And I'm really looking forward to that. But I just I, I think that's a, that's a really interesting race. Can they get back to the playoff Can they actually show signs of national relevance instead of just shooting themselves in the foot repeatedly like they always do?
1: It feels like the beginning of the DVD for USC or Oregon versus kind of the end of the DVD for Utah. You know what I'm saying? Like Utah has been there for so long. They've seen all these different changes. You have like these new guys who it's like, I don't think either of us have any doubts that they might be able to kind of put it together in a couple of years. But it feels like Utah is kind of the, the, this is their time. You know what I'm saying?
0: This is, this is their time. You've got a veteran quarterback. Tavian Thomas, at tailback, is, is an absolute stud. They, they have so much production returning as well that kind of feels like your time, if you're going to capitalize on that and be and be relevant in the Pac-12. This is, I mean, not to say they haven't been relevant, but to be able to, to have a, a top four, top five type season, I'd say doing it before Lincoln Riley and Dan Lanning get their feet wet would be wise, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Anything else? Any other one-sentence one since recaps, I, I include Notre Dame, even though Notre Dame technically isn't power five, but I would be bullish on BYU to consider them a power five team, but I think their schedule is a gauntlet. I had a brief, a very, very brief moment, like 35 seconds in which I considered BYU as my dark horse playoff team, and then I looked at the schedule and thought,
1: nope,
0: nope. Can't do that. Can't do that. So play Arkansas this year as well.
1: Oh so, really? No. That's gonna be. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they're one of those teams that, like, when they're good, they just come out of nowhere and start smacking teams like Texas. And then but other years, it's like, yeah, I get it. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. I I uh, I think the, the the remodeling line in Waco, I think, was great. But yeah, no further. <laughs> that was the first one I had.
2: That was the first <laughs> you one. Started with that the was heads. the single
0: first one. I kid you not. Of all the, of all the ones I typed. If you could have looked through this, you would have just seen a blank doc except the one that
1: I had. From Baylor. Baylor. <laughs> and like a house flippers joke, I love it. Be you, man, I love it. Oh
0: god! All right, let's kick it to uh, to Matt Brown. If you want to sound like an expert talking to your buddies at the next barbecue that you're at about the new college football video game, listen closely to Matt. Great, great stuff about that. So here is Matt Brown. <laughs> I'm now excited to be joined by a very special guest. It is Matt Brown, publisher of the Extra Points newsletter. So Matt, I noticed something with, uh, with the news that you broke on Friday about the timetable for EA Sports, college football, video game, uh, which we're going to discuss all of those details, but it was sort of hit or miss as to who credited you. Um, like you, you got credit from a lot of different publications, Washington Post, just to name a few, sick brag, no big deal. Um, but I think here's what the problem was. I think it's your name. And look, I'm not hating on your parents, but hear me out on this. If you were named Matteo Brown instead of Matt Brown, people, nobody would look over that and it would have been treated totally differently And big publications and news outlets would have been forced to credit you. And and instead it's like, oh, it's Matt Brown. It's like, hey, there's like even multiple people in college football with that same name, again, not to minimize your efforts or anything like that, but Matteo Brown gets credited
2: a hundred times out of a hundred. Dude, you are, you're preaching to the choir. I think it sucks <laughs> that my mom married a gringo. Cause like, I, I mean, I don't know if you, if you picked Mateo out of thin air or did that on purpose, but like that's what my wife calls you. That's what my mom called me. Um, and if I was, you know, if I was, if I was Matt Figueiredo, or if my parent, if my, if my mom had won the fight and given me a slightly more Brazilian sounding name, I think you're right. Like it, it was, it's been a running joke that, you know, I wasn't even the most famous Matt Brown covering college football when I launched uh, Extra Points. Um, and uh, if, if, you know, it was probably a little bit late in my life to go and change my name or, or, or go with my mom's <laughs> name or something. But yeah, it's ter- terrible for SEO. Do, do not recommend naming your children something extremely basic if you have the opportunity.
0: Okay. So I want to dig into this. You were the bearer of good news. EA sports is giving us a college football video game. It's set to hit the shelves in July of 2023. Give us the the background about these, these FOIAs
2: that you filed and, and the latest update that you were able to get with them. Yeah. So I mean, first I, I have to admit, I'm a little surprised that the biggest takeaway from my last report was about the games coming out in July of 23, because that wasn't a new, that wasn't news. I had actually yeah. broken that a year ago. Um, I, I am a as as much of a fan of this college football of the video game as I think most of the listeners here are. If you're somebody that's in your your mid-30s, maybe late 30s or late 20s, you probably played this game a lot in middle school, high school, and college. That was certainly a foundational part, not just of my High school and college experience, but how I be, you know, of my college football fandom, right? So I, I'm excited about this as a consumer. Whenever the game comes out, I will get the game. I'm sure I will play the game. Not as much because I'll be 36 when the game comes out and I've got <laughs> small children instead of, you know, I can't just burn nine hours in the dorm like I used to, but I, I will play it. So, but I, my, my publication, Extra Points, covers. Off the field forces in college athletics, I write a lot about business of college athletics, uh, which means I file a lot of these open records requests to understand athletic department finance, to understand athletic department contracts, how they work with different vendors, how different products come to be, how schools get and spend their money. And a lot of the times that has nothing to do with video games. It has to do with like their uh, multimedia rights contracts and their pouring rights and, 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 you know, kind of nuts and bolts stuff that really does help shape who's good on Saturday. But here I figured, all right, I should file a bunch of these requests. And I started sending these a couple of weeks after the game was first announced because I wanted to understand the process. What do schools have to do to participate in this kind of game? Because it's been years. Lots of the administrators, lots of the schools are not there when the last time we had a college football game. Some of these schools had never been in a game before. They joined FBS recently. Um, And I sent off hundreds of these things to every single FBS institution I could um, some places I can't because they have state residency laws or just because I've been a reporter for a long time. I know that like, if I file Kansas, they're going to charge me 300 bucks for the most mundane things. So like don't even bother oh. or Maryland has like basically never hired a clerk to deal with this. So don't bother. But, uh, but, but, you know, everyone, every, almost everyone else I, I filed these, I've paid some of these fees. And that's how I first learned about, you know, last year when the game was coming out most recently, we got secondary confirmation from another uh, this, batch of emails that reaffirmed that's coming out in July. But I also had some more updates about the music and about the sound out assets and about some of the other things schools are doing to participate in this game. But I think it's the date that's really resonated with a lot of people.
0: I'll ask the dumb question here. And I'm sure a lot of people are, are, are wondering this, this exact thing. What can we expect to be... Um to what in terms of developments because the biggest holdup obviously is using players image and, and their likeness during this this period and, and why we haven't had this college football video game and nil has, has since changed that but what what can we expect from that with being able to have actual player names like what
2: would it take in order for that to happen so the, these are not dumb questions um that, and I'm, I'm glad i'm glad you asked those because these are the questions i was wondering too because I'm not a video game reporter. I'm a sports writer that plays video <laughs> games. So some of this was, was a, a new world to me. So I, I can tell you, you know, because I think a very common, I mean, I'll answer a question you didn't ask first, and then I'll get to the, the player side here. A very common question that I get, and so I imagine you've probably heard this too, is what the hell's taking so long? Why couldn't you have just ported NCAA 14, a game that, you know, we, we, most of us have played, to the newest version of the PlayStation and let us have that now, right? Like this is a pretty common thing. So one of those barriers that I have learned is one, it's been two console generations. The development team that built NCAA 14 isn't there anymore. They've been split Mm -hmm. up across a bunch of different teams. And I have learned that the code architecture um, had to be completely demolished. You have to redo an entire game to to put something on PlayStation 5 now. Um, I've been told people at EA have said, listen, we can't even use a single line of audio from NCAA 14, we have, to re, we have to rebuild the entire thing from the studs um, to make it compatible with, with the new system. That takes a lot of time. That's not something you can port easily in six months. Um, I also didn't realize this, but one thing I've learned through these records requests and then just talking to people on the development side is one of the most technically challenging things to do is render a stadium. Um, and I didn't I didn't really realize this. You have to send like tens of thousands of photographs um, uh, there's not a better angles. way. That's and, crazy. You know, the, the, yeah. And, and like, I've talked to multiple people who, know who have done this. I got like Troy and at Colorado state and at UAB, they're like, no, we spent all day, you know, EA sports sends you this kind of color wheel and that tells you like, okay, we need X number of photos from this angle and from like the South end zone and from this angle. So they can do these 360 renderings you know, and then it's, you know, it's gigabytes and gigabytes and gigabytes of data. And it takes a, just a veritable crap ton of computing power to render them. And that's why they were telling these schools, you got to send us these photos by like 2021, because it's going to take us a year just to render all these things. They don't re-render the stadiums every year from Madden, Like they do it once for each you know, console generation. Right. So that was a major thing. Like we can't get that done in six months, especially because, you know, some of our team was remote because of the whole global pandemic. So that is one of the reasons this is happening now. To go back to the the player names, let me explain that process right now. Because as of right this second, the athletes' names are not and, and likenesses won't be in the game. Right. Um, the reason is when 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 uh, EA wants to put player likenesses in Madden or in FIFA or in NHL, they cut a deal with their players' union, and and they, there's there's a mass what's called a group license that everybody in the players' union can opt into. They negotiate one price, and EA pays it. The problem with college athletics is that that group doesn't exist and there can't be a union because athletes aren't employees, at least not yet. You know, there are court cases that might change that or theoretically the federal government could change that. But as of right this second, athletes are not employees, so they can't unionize. Now, prior to O'Bannon, there wasn't a way that EA could just cut the athletes a check without them losing their eligibility. Now, in a post-NIL, a post-O'Bannon, a post-Austin world, they can So the, then they have a logistical question. How do you sign up thousands of different football players? And what, we, what we've what we been seeing over the last six, eight months is many different individual schools have now set up group licensing programs. Sometimes it's through a company called Brandar. Sometimes it's through a company called One Team or One Team Partners. Um, and, and we've seen this mostly through jerseys. Like if you go to Michigan, you can buy a jersey with the player's name on it. At the bookstore. A, a, yeah. 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 Uh, all over the South, all over the SEC, they have these things. The university gets a, check, gets a cut of the license, and then the player gets something. Player usually doesn't get very much, but it is something. So what I have been told from the companies that run those, and now we, we've done this. We just saw this like two weeks ago with Tops with trading cards, is that EA is waiting for one company to accumulate a big enough mass of these, bar, of these player rights through these other deals that the EA can then send, hey, I want to work with you to sign up everybody. But it's going to take like a year to sign up as many people as possible through that licensing agent. And that is what EA will use to pay the athletes, probably, a, you know, low four figures to, to be in the game, plus a copy of the game, and then use They'll the They'll be on board for that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So correct me if I'm wrong here, and I need to get more clarity
0: on this myself, talking to some people who are affiliated with collectives. If you're a collective who doesn't allow for players to have their, their likeness used in the game, that is a major, major thing working against said collective. And one would think that said collective would be working to make sure that those
2: legal hurdles are not there. That is a great point, and that is an objection I have heard. And and my honestly, my advice, just as somebody who's covered NIL extensively, would be, I don't think an athlete should sign an exclusive arrangement with a collective at all. I think long-term, that's probably a bad deal. Some athletes have done that. I know there's a couple of collectives operating in the SEC that are doing that. That will not innately pre- prevent an athlete from being in the video game, but it will present another logistical hurdle because then the, the, the EA will have to work with that collective and this licensing agency or that licensing agency will have to work with the collective. It provides an extra hurdle. And theoretically, it could mean that that happens later. Um, it's, it's not an insurmountable thing, but it is, you know, if, if that's at scale, if that's 80, 100, 120 athletes that, that, are, that are, are in that kind of situation, that, that could be a challenge to work through. Yeah, that, that seems like a, a big potential headache if you're having to deal with all these separate organizations. Seems like it would be a lot easier if everybody was just kind of under the same umbrella, yeah, but we know I, there are a lot of moving pieces. The, the, the term I've heard a couple of different people in the licensing world use is like the college the college space is hand to hand combat at this point. Mm. It's 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 ugly, it's brutal, and it's super inefficient. And a lot of companies that, you know, including EA, but other companies that want to create stuff. Have athletes' names on it would prefer that there was one, two, or three companies that you would work with, a single entity that you'd work with rather than 600, which is kind of where we are right now.
0: And I don't know how that would work for portal guys. Like if you're at a school where you're allowed to be at the game, you're allowed to be in the game, and there's nothing necessarily preventing that with with the collective. But then you go to a school where that's not the case, and you're all of a sudden working with this new collective where that's against the violation or whatever. I don't know, statute of limitations, how that would impact something like that. But but I guess the alternative would be like, if you're a player who is part of a collective where there are legal barriers to having your name in the game, you would have to transfer them by a certain date to be able to, like, if you wanted to make sure that you were in a game and like you, guys transferring specifically so that they could go to a school where they could be. I, I realistically think that could happen. I mean, uh, that's I like mean, at some point.
2: I, I if, if, What 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 I here's what I would be, I would be honestly surprised if a player is say at an SEC institution where you have signed off all of your exclusive rights to a collective, and that collective is unable to broker an arrangement for you to be in the football game. Mm -hmm. What what, what will probably happen is that just takes longer and it becomes more expensive and it's a pain in the butt. But given how important it is for athletes to be in this game, I think that kind of administrative backlog preventing somebody from being in it would, would shock me. I could definitely see some street agent or, or some third party trying to extract more money from EA o- over this. Like, sure, that that could potentially happen. In the event that what you're describing is accurate and somebody's NIL contract with the collective prohibits them from being in the game, could I see somebody transferring just so they could be in the game? Yes. <laughs> like, it, it's, it's so funny. Like, I, I've joked about this with administrators who I don't think fully understand the cultural import of this game yes a lot of the legal battles and nil struggles that are happening now could have been avoided had the ncaa settled o'bannon and just offered people 250 bucks and a chance to be in the game that would have prevented some of the stuff that's happening now i honest to god believe that
0: one of the things that you reported that uh they're is that they're still gathering all the, the traditions associated with each school, uh, which is really cool to kind of think about that. Like if your school plays a a specific song at any point of the game, they're going to try and get the rights to be able to to play that. That leads to the most obvious question. And and I know you already asked this to EA sports, but I want this to be able to, you know, to be able to uh, tell our audience kind of what this, this process could be like, but just give us some hope that they'll play neck in the new
1: game.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, I asked the question kind of as a joke. So I think the exact question was just like, are we going to include the feature to have like the drunk fan asking to play neck? Right. Um, I haven't had a chance to actually ask LSU this yet um, just because I've been sick the past couple of days, but that's on my to-do list for this week. Um, that would be an example of, of, of a kind of audio asset that could theoretically be in the game. Right. I, I went to Ohio state. So you know playing Hang on Sloopy or or they you know they play Seven Nation Army a gajillion times at Ohio Stadium now like those would theoretically be examples Wisconsin's Jump Around would be an example or Dixieland Delight like I'm I'm saying these hypothetically because I can't confirm any of them specifically are in the game because some of that also depends on, on on various copyrights but these are examples of the kinds of assets that EA is asking schools to provide or specific you know chants um, from uh, universe, from fan bases, student sections or fan bases that, that might appear in the game. Like, I think they were in a, so granular. It's like, could you spell it out? Let us know the cadence. Let us know when it happens. Um, granted, are you going to get the more profane ones depicted exactly by EA Sports? No, because this is not going to get an MA rating. Even though you and I and God both know you go to a game, sometimes there's some four-letter words that are attached to some of these chants, right? You're going to get the G-rated version in all of these, as, as I think everybody would expect.
0: I was thinking about some of the new traditions
2: that have happened since
0: 2014 that would be yeah. awesome to be included with the game like the, the wave Iowa waving to the fans right like incredible the, of course if they could do that i mean even like tom petty at the swamp would you know won't back down like that would be the type of stuff that would make this game have such a unique feel and there are very few ways in my opinion like average casual gamer who would, you know, maybe doesn't necessarily have a college team or something like that. And they're they're just like pro-NFL. There are very few things that could probably convert that person into saying this college game is way better than the NFL game. Having specific
2: details like that, and if that were prioritized, that feels like that would be an absolute game changer. Yeah, I mean, one of the benefits and also one of the major challenges about not having a college football game for so long is that the game has changed enormously since then. You know, part of that is, is for the reasons you're just talking about. We've seen new traditions pop up. We've seen literal new schools. Like, it isn't just James Madison, Sam Houston, and Jacksonville State that will be new. Like, Old Dominion has never been in one of these games. Charlotte, Liberty. We've had several new institutions from FBS that are, that are a part of this. But the, the technical ability to be very realistic about local tradition and fanfare and everything it is a unique part of this game. It doesn't really exist in Madden or in FIFA or, in, or in NHL. And I can't, I, I wish I, I would love to be able to say, nope, like I know EA is going to do X, Y, and Z. Um, and, but the, we're still a year out. A lot of things change. All I can say is like EA is asking for X, Y, and Z and schools are preparing to deliver um, X, Y, and Z. And those are some of, these are some of the things that that make college football cool. It isn't just the bands and the dotting of the I in Columbus and, and and the crazy tailgates and everything here but it's the spirit stickers and exactly when and and, and they 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 kind of and where they are on the helmet and how they're depicted over the course of the whole of the whole season and when this chant happens and this song and this particular stadium thing and yeah like it would it would be great if we there was Enter Sandman and and you or you knew that a Thursday night television broadcast would look different from a Saturday night broadcast what I, what i can just say is This game is happening with superior technical hardware than we had on the Xbox 360, and they're casting a much broader net for um, different assets, historical assets, um, licensing assets, uh, uh, audio assets, visual assets than we've had before, which makes me, I can't say a whole lot about gameplay, but in terms of realism, in terms of trying to document the experience, I can tell you both sides are taking that very seriously, and I think that that's promising. I was
0: just thinking about it, every LSU player being able to celebrate a touchdown with a gritty or something like that. I mean, yeah. those are the details that to me would really stand. and if guys are getting paid like, maybe in theory there could be some sort of customization for some of those elite guys. I don't know how that, that process would work of, you know, some of the well-known things. Like if you think of what Ray Lewis would do in a pregame thing, you know, when you're playing Madden and he does this crazy, ridiculous celebration or something like that. If we, we had custom, like the ability to have those custom details in there, obviously that would make the game that much better, but um, the tier system, I want to talk about that. Yeah. That was one of my favorite developments that you dug up. It is so peak college football uh, to have. Earnings for the video game based on team success and how many AP top 25 finishes they had over the last 10 seasons. So for those who don't know the figures or those who haven't read this yet, tier one, $104,900. Tier two would get $62,900. Tier three, $41,900. And then tier four, $10,400. So basically Ohio state and Alabama, they're going to get 10 times as much as Kansas and Vandy, like, which, you know, that's really not a ton of money in the grand scheme of things, but it's just incredible that that could play out. But also, as you reported, there's probably some
2: schools who are going to be really pissed about that because that would see the light of day. Uh, yeah, like I can tell you San Diego State is one of them that they reached out and said, like, this is not a fair you know, representation of our, of our team's success over, over the last 10 years. And even in the original document, you know, EA and CLC are pointing out, like, look, we recognize that this isn't a perfect metric. There are biases in the, in the AP Top 25 but we looked at a bunch of different things we think this is the best way and uh, if you don't like it you know we're we're, we're sorry right um, it is funny to think about like nebraska might be a tier 1 team right or are some of these kind of like i think boston college might might be in there a couple of, of relatively big name brands um, you know might might be in that bucket it, it's also it's just as as a nerd like me i don't think it's fair to say that the ap poll doesn't matter even though that it doesn't champ it can, you know create a champion anymore because this is not the only financial incentive that's directly tied to the AP poll. Um, You know, we have a big gigantic open records database that shows a lot of coaching contracts, bonuses that are tied to the AP poll. Um, Your school probably has a contract with their uh, apparel vendor, whether that's Nike or Adidas or Under Armour, where there's a good chance there's uh, an incentive tied to the AP poll, not just the college football playoff top 25, but the the, but the AP. There, there are MMR bonuses that are tied to that. So you know, over the course of, an, of your, your entire university athletic department, if you unexpectedly finish the season at 18, rather than outside the poll, or if you finish at 24 versus also receiving votes over the course of your whole department, that might be a $50,000, $100,000 swing. It's not nothing. Now, if you're a $120 million athletic department, okay, it's not that big of a deal. You can, you can find a couple of, of nickels and dimes in the couch cushions. But if you're Coastal Carolina, that could be pretty financially significant.
0: Another dumb question. You talk about the coaches. Um, how does it work with coaches and being able to use their likeness? I, I got to think that's a total no-brainer for head coaches to want to be a part of this because anything that's legal that can ca- kind of help them out in the recruiting world would
2: make a lot of sense. You know, that's a great, that's a great question. They historically weren't in the game. Um, because you you would have to secure those likenesses uh, in, independently, that would have to be the same thing. There isn't a college coaching association like there is in the uh, in the NFL, and I do not know one way or another yet if EA is planning on locking those down. Uh, it's a great question, and um, as of right now, nothing in the documents that I've indicated says that 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 that, that they'll be in the game. Last one. And I hate to be that guy. I really do. Uh, I just don't want people to get hurt. I'm, I'm trying to look out for the masses sure, who got
0: please. really, really excited on Friday. What can prevent this from happening? Is it collectives having the, the inexplicable like legal issues working against this for the majority of schools? And it's just at a point where it's too many of them or like, you know, correct me if I'm wrong here. Th- this sounds like it would be a win for all parties if everybody could kind of get on the same page with us.
2: Yeah. And, and so uh... In terms of what could prevent athletes from being in this game? Um, what, what could prevent the game from actually being a product that is recognizable
0: for what 2014 was? Because the game, the game is happening, but I think so many people have such high expectations for it to be on that level. Like, what's something that could really kind of set back and be like, oh, you know what? This actually, this just wasn't what we thought it was going to be. It's not as personalized and those details are just lacking. Yeah.
2: So there's a couple of things, right? Like one, in the, I think, a very unlikely event that athletes are not in this game. And I wouldn't say collectives are the issue that that could keep that from happening, because to be honest with you, I think there's only really five or six collectives that uh, are controlling exclusive rights to athletes. And that is something that, that could be figured out. But it's theoretically possible that, excuse me, securing so many different individual licenses at a price point everybody could agree on doesn't get done in time. It's I think it is unlikely the industry. And when I say the industry, I'm talking about not just EA Sports, not just schools. I'm talking about. Learfield and CLC and as many of these larger corporations that work in this space. Like I talked to these people they are like, we think this has happened. So in the unlikely event that whatever reason it doesn't get done, I'll tell you one, not every school is going to be in this game. This game will launch Notre Dame won't be in it. Uh, Northwestern won't be in it. Tulane won't be in it. I'm hearing, I, I think it is possible Arizona state won't be in it. There's going to be probably about a dozen schools that have flat out said, if our players can't be paid, we don't want to be paid. We won't participate. The vast majority of schools will, but yes, this will launch without a couple of institutions. I can also tell you that, again, in the unlikely event that this game launches without athletes, you will not have roster flexibility. You will not be able to customize rosters because EA doesn't want to get sued again. And they know that if we let you edit rosters, that somebody in operation sports is going to have the updated correct rosters in 45 minutes. And everyone on the internet is going to download them because we're a more interconnected world than we were back in 2014. And you will just get around that. And that might end up happening with somebody cracking the game, but um, EA is going to take out that functionality to make it harder. Uh, So you will have a more rigid experience. And that will probably not be something that people will enjoy as much. Again, a, in the unlikely event that that happens, the other thing, I mean, and and I don't want to do this just to kind of shit on EA, excuse me, to crap on EA, but <laughs> it's an EA game, right? So I recognize that not everybody loves Madden. and um, the video, the online video game world is different now than it was in 2014, where DLC and microtransactions are a larger part of the experience, and DLC will be a part of this game. I know that on Reddit, everybody freaked out when I said my story that Dynasty mode will appear in some capacity. And I said in some capacity, trying to be very careful in my language, just because EA is being extremely tight-lipped about gameplay, which I think is justifiable because this game's not coming out for a year. And that's not something that they have to put in paper and write when they talk to their school partners. So they're like, yeah, it's going to be in there. And that's all we can say about it right now. It could be gigantic. It could be minimal. I am not so anti-electronic arts that I immediately freak out and assume the worst because I still enjoy playing FIFA and I still enjoy playing NHL. And I don't think you have to spend a lot of money to have a positive experience in those games. I understand that not every gamer feels the same way. I'm not a big NFL person, so I don't really feel strongly one way or the other about Madden. I know some people on the internet feel really against it. So if you are diehard, I hate EA, EA is making this game. So that's going to shade your thinking about this one way or another. I feel like I'm probably going to enjoy it no matter what, when it comes out. I hope it's really good. I understand it's a video game. And sometimes it's a video game from a big budget developer. So sometimes it's not. And sometimes it's, it takes a month to be good because it needs to be patched. Who knows? All I know for sure is that based on the documents and in my reporting, both sides are taking the realism very seriously. And I think that's a positive. You just got to send foyers, like all the time, seeing if you can find that
0: document where they ask for uh specific player's likeness for the cover as well. Because if you
2: break that news, man, that's, I, I, that'll listen, dominate. I, I hope I'm not the only person sending these. And I I, I think that's the, and because I've been so forthright in my you know, explaining how I do it. I hope other people are doing it too. I send these requests out every couple of months and I don't mind telling everybody here, like it's not free for me to do that. And that's why a lot of my coverage is behind the paywall. Right. And that's probably why if I break other EA sports stuff, it will probably be paywall too, just because it's not free for me to do. But I hope other people do it too. And if someone else is able to break something on this front before me, uh, I'll be excited because that that will help the public knowledge.
0: Matt, this has been great. Uh, Everyone should go subscribe to the Extra Points newsletter. Uh, extra points. ExtraPointsMB.com, really, really good
2: stuff. Appreciate the time, man. Hey, anytime. time. Thanks for having me on. What's my destiny, mom?
1: You're gonna have to figure that out for yourself. Life is a box of chocolates for us. You never know what you're gonna get.
0: Figure it out, we're talking childhood friends. Will, what do you consider a childhood friend?
1: I think anybody that makes it past high school, honestly like there's your college friends i think that's the break
0: do you have to have made so i guess i'm looking at it like in the, in the reverse way mm-hmm. what, if you became friends with them in high school to me that's not considered a childhood friend okay like because i wouldn't consider myself a child when i was in high school <laughs> so it wouldn't be a child like I, when i think about childhood i think of Anything before high school?
1: That's fair, right? That's also fair. For for me, it's like I always feel like there's like almost two phases of your life until you have like a family and stuff. It's like you have like your hometown, you have your you have your your hometown community. Unless you move around a lot, it could be a little bit different. But then usually people leave for college or they would make a whole new friend group after high school. So we're close, yeah. yeah.
0: How many childhood friends, by by that definition, are you still tight with?
1: Them? Um, by your definition, zero. <laughs> by, by by I think. I have, well, I'm like acquaintances with a lot of my friends from high school. Like, I didn't cut everybody off. Just my, like, inner circle of friends right now includes, like, one person who I met in high school.
0: Okay. So, yeah. So, I, I, yeah, I would consider that a high school friend. Mm-hmm. You know, which, a little bit different. Like, I, I have, I have like, my, my tight high school friends. My, my four best friends are all guys I went to high school with. Mm-hmm. But, but I don't necessarily have best friends that are from college, and I don't have best friends... That are like I that I really keep like close contact with from from my childhood. I have like one childhood friend that I that I like kind of keep tabs on, but it, it's not like we text weekly or anything mm-hmm. like that. Shout out to Mike Horowitz, by the way, just had a birthday last week. Well, let's say um, real quick,
1: the 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 distinction there is good enough for him to be invited to their wedding. I think is fair. Like if you're yeah, staff,
0: yeah yeah okay yeah that, that's a good qualifier. I like mm-hmm. that. And Mike was invited to was invited to my wedding, mm-hmm. so that would yeah I, I guess that would qualify like. With 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 somebody like him, and I'm I'm sure people listening to this can kind of relate to it, like really really tight growing up, pretty much like in the high school kind of sort of, but mostly like uh, elementary through middle school type of friendship where we hung out like very regularly and and whatnot. Um, Today, though, it's kind of just like if something comes up randomly, you know, we'll text about it. His dad was my youth baseball coach throughout elementary school, so that was kind of the, the tie-in. Got to That's pretty much how we got to know each other, but we went to other high schools. So that's like kind of a – that can be a divider big time, I think, for childhood friends. Actually, both went to Indiana, um, but he had his group of friends. I had my group of friends. Right. That net, those circles don't really cross. It's just a little bit tougher. But still one of my all-time favorite human beings. He works in in, um, in Chicago in real estate. And when my dad died, he actually took an entire day off to be at the funeral, the celebration of life, which, like, that's one of those things I'll always appreciate. I'm like, that's, that's a friend for life mm-hmm. when somebody does something like that and doesn't really lose touch with you in that way. Um, but, yeah, Mike is probably, he's the only person from my childhood that I'm still sort of tight with. In that way, I had two other best friends growing up, but outside of maybe like the occasional, I don't know, social media posts that I like or something, don't really keep tabs on them. Never, never had a falling out with them or anything, but it, it's just interesting because looking back, I think I became friends with a lot of people out of proximity mm-hmm. because you know that you, you become friends with people before you really know who you are, right? If 100%. that makes sense. You know, like some people you just sort of realize you see the world differently. and You drift apart. And it's not necessarily because you're like aligned different politically. You can't have a conversation with them. But your interests just change. They just do. And you're not part of the same groups or affiliations as as they are. One of my childhood buddies um, loves smoking weed, playing video games, talking about baseball. <laughs> like that's his life. But that's just not the way that I would choose to spend my free time. I'm not shaming anybody who wants to do that. But that's just kind of how we drifted apart. Another one of my childhood buddies... I talked too far an hour on the phone a few years ago. I don't think he let me get a word in about <laughs>
2: anything. I
0: was, I was like exhausted by the end of the conversation. I like couldn't keep up with anything he was talking about. And he was talking about all this entrepreneurial stuff, which, you know, he's clearly passionate about, but I, I remember thinking, man, like this is totally different than when we were just playing crash team racing in your basement, man. Mm-hmm. Like what? It's just times have changed. And I've had a lot of those situations where I realized childhood friends were just that. And it's, entirely different to maintain friendships as you get older. So yeah, I mean, the weird thing is I just don't, I I didn't even have many, many of those college friends that I, I I kept in touch with. And part of that is because to be honest, I I think for part of college, I was hanging out with the wrong people in terms of my interests. And I wish that I had hung out more with people on newspaper and and whatnot. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I guess that's a different discussion for a different time. But will, what about you in terms of like childhood friends, is that, is that something that you think about a lot in terms of like, oh, I wonder what you know this person's up to or anything like that, like checking in on them on, on Facebook or Instagram or something?
1: So as soon as I saw this post, this, uh, this instantly hit me in the head. I have a feeling you're going to like this. So my two best friends from Louisiana, now mind you, I moved from Louisiana to Hoover, Alabama. Right, kind of before high school. Uh, so my two closest friends. I think I actually did an incredible job selecting my closest friends. And this topic made me realize, like, I'm probably the jerk here. I probably need to go reconnect with them. But one of them <laughs> was like uh, an army ranger, jacked, does like you know like these Iron Man races and everything. Played fullback at La Tech, and then oh. I, he like I believe like his scholarship got like he got hurt or something. Like got uh, started playing club, club rugby at, at uh, LaTeX and just like all of his posts are like, this can't be a real person. Like he's like jacked. He's like crushing life and everything. You know what I'm saying? And then the other one, is like a civil engineer, married an LSU cheerleader, and his life is also insane. They're both like yoked. I look on social media and I'm like, you guys are just like, your PRs are dubbers I will never touch, you know what I'm saying? So like, watching them, I'm just like, dang, like these guys got life figured out and they make me like, not like jealous, but I look at them like, you guys are crushing it, dude. And it's super funny because like, I've like it, whenever we do like the whole like, what did your friends do when you were young? Like their stories aren't like, oh, they kind of did whatever. It's like, wow, like these guys kind of turned into awesome dudes, like I need to go hit them up.
0: They're posting strictly for you, for that reaction right there. <laughs> you are the market for those posts. It's not, It's not. I hope somebody of the opposite sex is into this. It is, I hope my childhood friends think I crushed it. And mission accomplished. Mission accomplished, yeah. Like,
1: literally, as you were posting this, I was like, dang, you know, maybe I'm the guy who's the who's trick here. <laughs> like, look at it, because, like, they'll always hit me up and be like, oh, you going to do this? I'm just in a different state, you know what I'm saying? But And pandemic, yeah. but it's making me realize, like, when you move because you didn't really like move growing up right
0: I did but um, so it was a little bit weird I moved from I lived in I grew up in Skokie up until I was going into first grade and then the summer before first grade we moved to Buffalo Grove which Buffalo Grove Brlington Heights Um, and I I I went to same like same elementary school as, as like you know everybody and whatnot and then in middle school they like throw us with like two other elementary schools and then only one of those middle schools goes or goes to one high school and then two middle schools go to another high school. Okay. So you can kind of like make friends for a couple of years and then it's like, Oh, you go to different high schools. Right. And I made friends with a lot of people who just didn't go to my high school. And so from like going from middle school to high school, I was kind of weird because I almost felt like I had to start over again. Right. And playing sick like brag, playing three sports as a freshman in high school helped with yeah. that. It really did. But for a while there, I was kind of like, "Well, dang, this this sucks." I kind of, it's kind of a bummer that I made such good friends who, with people who aren't going to be going to my high school, and I'm just not going to be able to talk to them as much because that's also before you know, that's in the AIM days, right? Yeah. Like you keep track on AIM, but not necessarily. You know, Facebook wasn't a thing yet or anything like that. But yeah, it's it's always difficult if you if you move high schools or something like that. Like Lauren, for example, um, Lauren went to the the Catholic grade school, and then high school she went to the public high school. And so talk about starting over. She mm-hmm. really had to start over and make all new friends. And then, like, very quickly, it's like, oh, like, all my childhood friends are, like, doing different things. And you kind of keep in touch with them here and there. But there's just only so much you can do. You can only so have I just so think like, friends.
1: Like, That's the thing, too, is it's like, yeah, if yeah. you move, it's like you kind of just stay with your new friend group. So it's like it might not even be, you know, you, you like, fall out of favor of somebody. It's just like, dang, I got too many people I got to keep up with. <laughs> Sorry.
0: Yeah, it's hard. Mm-hmm. It's really hard. So, yeah, the people – I, by the way, like – if you have multiple childhood friends, which we're gonna to get to the Facebook group here in a second, if you have multiple people like that who are still in your life, who you still, you know ride or die, you, you're at every function you text with them, you know maybe not on a daily basis, but really often. I, that, that blows me away. I think that's so impressive. If you've maintained a relationship for decades, you know how hard that is to do to maintain a relationship with somebody for decades and never have any sort of falling out to kind of just be like, yeah, whatever, whatever kind of life throws at us, we're just going to be able to, to roll with it. And, and you've been able to do it. It is really hard. And I did not realize how hard it would be mm-hmm. until you kind of realized life, life happens and things get in the way of that.
1: I just want to say before you do that really quick, I'm sorry if you guys just heard my cat. That's Boo. We think she's deaf. The way that she meows is horrifying. Don't think she's in some kind of a torture chamber, but she just meows like that. So, sorry. And <laughs> Will
0: Will has an open door policy when he does the podcast because he wants Boo to be able to chime in with takes. And sometimes if I'm getting a little bit off the rails, Boo's got to be able to calm me down as well. So I just need to close here, my
1: door. But to be clear, if you guys heard that meow, there was no door in existence. I'm that meow. All right,
0: My bad. on the record on the record it's all it's all boo we're good okay Facebook group got a lot of responses for this um, let's start with Nick Jones Nick says, I still have the same trio of best friends since middle school. Two of us still play Xbox together, but the third one doesn't. Since we all live in different cities now, we thought a cool way to stay connected was to start a podcast. So about once a week, every other week, one of us uh, picks a movie that we all have to watch, and then we review it on the pod. It's a great way to stay in touch and roast each other on our terrible movie takes. I love
1: that. That's fire. That that's, is that's so that sick. is
0: great. doesn't matter. I that's, that's one of those things like if eight people listen... If eight million people listen, who cares? Right, doesn't matter. If you have that kind of relationship where you guys can just bust chops, that is such a healthy outlet to be able to have. Mm-hmm. And as somebody who is talking on a podcast right now, I think it's a great way to get all of those thoughts out there and whatnot. That I am really jealous of that. That sounds that sounds fun, man. Mm-hmm. Dang, I've even heard um, like so. In addition to. I've heard the opposite of people who make friends and, and don't have those childhood friends but then make friends strictly because of gaming. We talked about this when we did the video game segment, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, like my, um, my sister-in-law, like her, all of um, her husband's groomsmen were these guys that she played video games with, that he played video games with. Mm-hmm. It was like three guys from all different parts of the country, but they play video games and it's just a chance to be able to talk like video games Fancy football, mm-hmm. call it what it is. Like fancy football is a great way to kind of bring, uh, keep people together. <laughs> it, with all that, like way to keep in touch, way to be able to talk trash to your buddy about why you was sitting on the waiver wire. That's Shout Tommy out Tommy Fom,
1: Fam. Tom, did you call him Tommy Fam? Is, is that his name? Uh, it's Fam, but Fam is way better. Is it? I, well, I don't want to call him Fam. That sounds Americanized, right? What's up, Fam? Fam. Yeah, we'll a guy's name, right? Cool <laughs> that.
0: Let's go to this one from Austin Foster. Austin says, so good friends with two, but I do run into several others and have conversations with them. Childhood is including your teen years, so high school friends are included. Okay, all right. No horror stories per se, but I can give you this. The year was 2003. This sounds like a horror story. <laughs> uh, I was at high school a high school football game with some friends. We were the coolest of the fourth graders. And this one dude calls me fat. I then punched him in the gut interesting location, and he was in a lot of pain. He tells his mom, thinking I'm going to get in trouble. Backfires. She forces him to come apologize to me. Huh. Well, fast forward 17 years, and dude is the best man in my wedding and the best friend I could ever ask for. That's that's sweet. If if that were a relationship, I would have said you basically ended up with Helga Pataki from Hey Arnold. Which is... (laughs) Not the place I thought my brain would go, but it did.
1: And it's like an anti meat cute. It's like a meat angry. Yeah.
0: A meat bully. A meat bully, <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: Dang. That's a good story. I like, I like the end of that story. Uh, let's go to this one from uh, Dave Kozar. Dave says, most of my closest friends are still my high school friends. I consider childhood friends to be anything pre-college. Okay. My childhood best friend and I tried to be roommates our freshman year in college, but he basically took over the entire room. and had girls in my bed, Ooh. among other things. Save
1: ladies oh. for so Sorry. <laughs>
0: What's, what are the other things, I ask? Um, so I moved out. We didn't speak for years, but are at least on friendly terms now. That's a major risk. Mm-hmm. Anybody who's in high school listening to this, who maybe if you're going into senior year of high school or you know considering what your long-term plans are going to be for that, I have always been anti friend roommate freshman year.
1: Mm
0: -hmm. I I like especially because I I have two of my three childhood best friends went to Indiana, and I could have easily roomed with them. And I said, "Nope, not gonna happen. Don't want to do that. Don't want to cut off my social circle. Don't want to potentially you know jeopardize that friendship." It's kind of amazing to look back on college and think about the small quarters that you live in mm-hmm. like as a freshman year. Considering what you know, what many of us have now if we live in you know apartments or houses or, or whatever and you just realize how much more space you have as opposed to that freshman year and how on top of each other you can be in bunk beds and all these different things. Like my freshman roommate, I would come home and he'd just be going to town on this Sam's Club size thing of goldfish that I have. <laughs> and I'm like, Buddy, you literally had to reach up on top of my computer, get on your tippy toes to be able to access that, and you just decided, "Oh, I'm gonna go to town on this right now,"
2: mm-hmm.
0: and no, like no, whatever. That's a different discussion for a different time. But point is, you could piss off people really easily when you're living that close to them. So if you can, if you can survive that kind of friendship and living with one of your childhood best friends through college. More power to you, I could not have, no way.
1: Yeah, I had like a little bit of falling out, we're still like on solid terms, but a little bit of falling out with one of my like young friends that I had because same deal. Like it's like, well, if, if you're kind of like the, and you probably like, probably the same situation. It's like, if you're a little bit of the planner, in your friend group and you want to pick like a person to live with it's like by default you end up being the chores guy because it's like well if this doesn't get done who's it going to bother the most yep me the planner the chores guy so then once you kind of get to that point it's like well you you, you go, like this person gets incentivized of like well if i don't if you ask me to do this and i don't do it you're just going to end up doing it so why would i do it and so that was kind of the situation we in. it's like dude we got to get this figured out we got to get something going here you know
0: It just goes to show you that living with people in general, there are very few situations that aren't awkward. You could literally live with your childhood best friend and it's still kind of awkward. And you still have to deal with situations like that. Who's going to clean up this? Is that your thing in the fridge? Why did you steal my Oreos? What are we doing here? And sometimes if you live with a stranger that you've never met before, it's still, it's even more awkward. And you have to ask them questions about hygiene and all these different things that there are just not we as human beings. I don't think are just meant to live in close quarters like that. Mm-hmm. That's that's what I took away from that entire experience. It's very rare to have a situation, especially your freshman year, in, w- in which it's not incredibly awkward.
1: And that you're not like in love with him. because if it's if it's your significant other, it's like okay, I can get over that. This is just like your homie. It's like, dude, shut up. <laughs> Good point.
0: If it's your significant other, yeah, different, just, different. Most people aren't living with their significant others as true freshmen for unless sure, you've got yeah. some sort of marriage situation. Uh, marriage BYU. household. BYU. <laughs> a lot of interesting BYU references on this pod. I feel like I'm going to have to say some nice things about BYU moving forward. <laughs> Actually, you know what I did? I, I said that they were going to be a playoff team for like 35 seconds, and then I looked at the schedule and realized that wasn't going to happen. There you go. So. That's about as nice as we can get. Scott Strauss, my best childhood friend and I are still super tight today. We met in second grade in my hometown of Knoxville, Tennessee. My family and I moved to Florida a few years after we met, but we stayed close and are still great friends today at the age of 28. We are in each other's weddings and attached is a picture of him hanging out with my daughter a couple months back. That's adorable. He is a Tennessee fan, and I went to Florida, and we still make it work. Aww. He's accepted his role as the friend who will never have nice things, and I lay off rubbing in his face that he will never beat us. That's goals, man. Yeah. That is awesome. This picture is adorable, by the way. Saturday on South podcast on Facebook. Very, very cute. Those are the friendships that they make movies about.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay?
0: They don't happen often. They really don't. Appreciate that because that's, that's super rare. Sometimes I have moments in which I could talk about things that I experienced like in elementary school or even you know middle school or something like that that like my friends would get and I went to, one of my best friends I went to the same middle school with him but we were not friends in middle school. he was a weirdo he was really weird um, but to be able to share stuff like that with somebody that's known you since you were I don't know second grade mm-hmm. that's just crazy I I'm very jealous of that that's awesome okay let's do sorry we got we got some long ones let's end with let's end with this one from uh, from Caleb Tillman Caleb says. I have one of the best childhood friend stories. In third grade, I met a new friend from England who had just moved to my small town in Georgia. We became very close very quickly and stayed in touch in the next year, even though we ended up going to different schools. We finally met up a day to hang out, and then he'd spend the night at my house. Once he got to my house, the police showed up asking for him. Oh no! Turns out his dad had been back in England looking for his kids the last year and a half or so. Apparently, his kids got, it, or his parents rather, got into a fight, and she grabbed the kids and ran off to America with them without telling him. Oof. Since no divorce papers were signed and their dad never agreed, this was considered kidnapping. And because she brought them overseas, international human trafficking. Oh no! Wow. So he and his sister were taken back to England to live with their dad. Their mom was put in prison where she resides to this day. And we were actually able to reconnect a couple of years ago via social media. And he's doing very well for himself over there. Okay, that's the type of stuff that they make movies about.
1: Dang. But it almost seems like like I, I'm not saying it's made up, but that if you saw a movie like that, you'd be like, "No way!" But it just goes to show that divorce is the ultimate chess game. It truly is. Everything's kind of a play, and it's like the like, mom was like, "Ha, I'm going to America. You can't catch me!" And the dad's like, as Corso says, "Not so fast!" And then now you're back in England. So,
0: gosh, I didn't know that would be. Call me naive here. <laughs> sure. have to brush up, brush up on my law, on my, my law reading. But I didn't realize that would be considered international human trafficking.
1: You know, my, my knowledge of the England human trafficking international law is also very scant. Um but yeah, I mean based on our one source, I think that's probably the case.
0: I think I know more about the Washington State offense than I do about international human trafficking.
1: Fair, yeah. Which is I know how that you, you know, <laughs> we should probably educate ourselves a little bit. But yeah, that's that's wild.
0: Don't bring up international human trafficking at your next barbecue.
1: That's um, also true, yeah.
0: Don't, just just don't.
1: Unless you have a story like this. Yes. Caleb's story is the one exception. You specifically should. Us, not so much.
0: That is is a nice story. And hopefully your buddy is, as you said, doing very well. And it's not some traumatic experience and he's doing all right. Gosh, that's nuts. It's wild. Those are great, though. Great responses. Um, Will, you want to close this out? Lad of the week?
1: Yes, yes. So the lad of the Week this week uh, is going to be none other than Shaquille O'Neal. So Shaquille you are O'Neil. so biased. You, you Alice, <laughs> you, Homer. Shaquille O'Neal is a citizen of the world, first off. he's lives True. in my hometown of Atlanta now. He's been all over, you know, he grew up in Germany a little bit. So, the thing about Shaquille is he has, you know, a very big heart, as we've seen. And he's been interviewed several times kind of over the years talking about, you know, mistakes he's made in his career. A very introspective lad. But the reason why he makes it to our story today is that he went on a date with a uh, mystery woman, as the New York Post called it. And basically, paid off the entire tab of the entire restaurant, so drinks, food, everything. Also gave the entire wait staff and, like, behind-the-bar staff what they described as the biggest tip they've ever received. And I'll just say, you know, on that, Shaq has been known to do things like that. He's given, you know, people a laptop for their kids for school. He is always kind of doing stuff in the community. And people don't really talk about Shaq and kind of his businesses that he's owned uh... he manages like you know dozens if not actually hundreds of franchises different fast food places So the big lesson from Shaq is a lad is giving it back you know he had this giant hundred twenty million dollar contract in the NBA, and plenty of people, you know, we've, uh, if you've ever seen this magic moment, the 30 for 30, they talk about plenty of people. Say, the best. The best. It's one of the best 30 for 30s. And the the um, Orlando Sentinel, or the Orlando Slantinel, as Shaq called it, would go out yes. and say, you know, they ran a poll that said you should never pay anyone $100 million. Well, Shaq has taken his wealth and not only multiplied it, but also used it to give back. Um, has, you know, he's seen his son Sharif play college basketball, you know, all over and just, just kind of a lad, just a guy that I've heard nothing but good stories from people at Turner working with him. So that's kind of the point, you know, Shaq is a guy who is obviously described as larger than life. You know, he's had all these different parts of his career, but the, 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 the lesson remains, no matter how big you get, no matter how famous you get, it's always good to give it back to the people around you. So that's why Shaq is the lad of the week. I
0: know this is not the point of what you just said and very well said, Will, appreciate that. Thank you. Has Shaq been on Shark Tank yet?
1: No, I don't think so. That's just me guessing. I haven't seen anything from him, but he's always kind of doing something. It wouldn't surprise me if he had that lined up.
0: I feel like I would have seen if he would have obviously renamed it Shaq Tank. And that, <laughs> right. that would have been the opening line for him in that show. Yeah, no doubt about it. I love Shaq. You know, somebody who lives in Orlando, it's kind of weird to see that relationship with the with the Magic. And like the Magic kind of love him, even though he he's... Spurn them in a massive, massive public way, in a way that would never happen again with unrestricted free agents, but we don't need to dig into that. Yes. Yes. Great lad of the week. I got um, one as well.
1: Real quick Shaq uh, partnered with Damon John to do a black version of Shark Tank. So actually, even cooler than Shark Tank.
0: Okay. All right. Shaq took it up a notch, as he often does. I got one as well. Connor Nolan. If you've been following the former Arkansas quarterback turned Arkansas ace, which, you know, he came to college doing both baseball and football. But if you... Been following the College World Series at all. It's kind of amazing to, to be able to see him deliver just an absolute gem over the weekend and to be able to, to win a game on that stage. And it's kind of been their stabilizer in the NCAA tournament. And somebody that, you know, I shameless plug, I wrote about him, uh, for SaturdayDonSouth.com, talked to my, my buddy Phil Elson, who does play by play for Arkansas radio, calling Arkansas baseball games. I've been doing radio with him every Monday for, for years. Um, And just hearing Connor Nolan's story is pretty amazing to go from a guy who started off as a Chad Morris era quarterback, (laughs) which need I say more? Um, And and won a game in a Chad Morris offense like as a starter, which no small feat. That's that's going to the top of my resume of just all human feats. All right. Mm -hmm. So for him to be able to do that, and now you know four years later he. Obviously stopped playing football after that freshman year. Wanted to be able to go all in with baseball. Made as the right decisions. one decision. does
1: when playing for Chad Morris. Yeah.
0: Yeah. You had me at Chad. Um, so, yeah. It makes perfect sense that he's doing what he's doing now. But I know he's somebody that Arkansas fans have really come to appreciate. So, awesome to be able to see that. College World Series has been great. It's been a lot of fun to watch. I've watched a ton of it over the weekend. And I know we have a lot of great coverage on SaturdayDownSouth.com. Joe Cox doing great stuff for us as well over there with that. So, Hold if you, on, you have really not. Quick,
1: what was that nickname you hit me with on Twitter yesterday?
0: Which oh, the Hispanic Titanic, yes. <laughs> Ivan Melendez, yes. yes, the Texas Slugger, who shout out A and a lot of horns down uh, in Omaha on Sunday. Man, dude went zero for four, and this the, the two strikeouts that he had were just filthy pitches, like just absolutely filthy. But yeah, uh, felt bad kind of using that in jest about a kid, but it's it's such a good nickname. Yeah, such a good nickname. That's like tier one. Oh, tier one nickname. Absolutely. Okay. If you have not leave us a five-star review, join the Facebook group, your name red on air with figuring out or bold and brash. Thanks guys. Talk soon.